the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You know, a lot of people have all kind of crazy ideas about the Sermon on the Mount, that it was written for the millennial kingdom, that it was written for the future, not for the here and now, that it was written only to Jewish people, but it doesn't say that. You know, he says, blessed are you when you are persecuted on account of righteousness sake. You're not going to be persecuted in the millennial kingdom. The Sermon on the Mount was for those people there and these people here because it's recorded and preserved in the text of scripture and transmitted to us in writing. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all my life Every dragon will fall The mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into all the we're singing the truth that nothing is impossible with you. Oh, nothing is impossible. Hello and welcome to today's edition of Grace to Live with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor at Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so happy that you've chosen to spend time with us on the program today. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, Pastor Keith continues our walk through the Sermon on the Mount with his successful Kingdom Living teaching series. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to the Gospel of Matthew, Chapter 7. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. God has given us assurance that the time is now for repentance, delivering this message through one man, this man whom he raised from the dead. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 25, 24 to 29, because what we have here is success defined. You cannot live successfully until you understand what success is. And so we begin with success defined. And this isn't success as the world defines success. This is success as Christ defines success. Matthew seven twenty four to 29, again. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, blessed are the poor in spirit, right? All these words, you've heard it said, but I say to you all these words. Everyone then who hears these words of mine, of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the wind blew against that ho- and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus had finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as their scribes, not as their normal teachers. Jesus here, you know, provides them a parable to understand 
what it takes to follow him. The key to successful kingdom living. He describes success to them. We see that he gives this parable and we see their reaction to it. And, and what is this parable? Well, this parable could be a tale of two houses built or a tale of two lives lived or it could be a tale of two contrasting priorities. And so we have to consider the content of what we just read. And let me just walk you through that right now and then we'll get into the putting this to work in our lives. What we have here is Jesus in Matthew 7, 24 to 27, comparing and contrasting two mindsets, the godly and the godless. The tricky part here is what he's really dealing with is those who profess to be his disciples. Today we'd call them professing Christians. And those who are his disciples, those are who are truly, truly born again Christians. Anybody can profess to be something. I can profess to be blonde. It doesn't make itself. So what we see here in this passage is that both people have heard the gospel or the way of salvation. They've heard Jesus' message. Everyone who hears these words of mine. Each one then uh, maps out his own way of living. Based, you know, he, each one decides what to do. And so we have this tale of successful kingdom living contrasted with a tale of collapse and failure. Both receive the teaching. Both sit through the teaching They're both represented out there in the crowd. And in the crowd, you have his disciples and you have everybody else. And so both hear the same message. The wise man hears and obeys. He receives what is said. He digests it. He ingests it. And he integrates it into his life. He builds his house, his life, around the teachings of Jesus Christ. He receives and obeys Christ's instruction. The foolish man is entirely different. He hears the same message but he follows his heart. He follows not God's priorities, but his own. Not God's will, but his own. The wise man follows Christ. Now, each builds his respective house. Each lives his life expecting to stand. No one sets out to fail cognitively, intentionally, purposefully. And I imagine if you look at the crowd before Jesus, they all look alike pretty much. They all are from the same area, the same culture. They resemble each other. Each man builds his respective house, intending it to stand. And outwardly even, outwardly, they look the same. Now in that area, they had these periodic seasonal rains. And depending on what you built your house on, the rains might come and wash your house away if you built it on the sand. But if you built it on a good foundation, it would withstand these rains. So Jesus is giving them something they can understand and identify with. Each house outwardly looks the same, but beneath the surface, they're built very differently and grounded and founded upon very, very different foundations. Now, each is subject to the same conditions and situations. Suffering is something that every human being is going to experience. Hardship is something that every human being is going to experience and can expect. Neither of these people are escaping hardship, but each responds differently. One house, one way of living, withstanding everything that is thrown at it. The other, collapsing into a heap of rubbish with a loud crash. Great was its fall. So what do we have here? What do we have here? Well, we have successful, we have success described. We have success defined for us. He describes what makes a real disciple, and what that is, is this, the embrace and obedience to his word. Obedience is the difference between withstanding life's storm and the slings and arrows that this world will throw at you and collapsing under the weight of the hardship of this fallen, broken world and all the problems that it brings to our doorstep. Success is defined as recognizing and knowing and doing the will of God. Failure is defined as ignoring it. Jesus' point here is simple. It's the point of the entire sermon. 
It's not simply enough to hear Jesus' call, even respond to it with a temporary flurry of good deeds and outward, outward works. On the contrary, we have to build our lives upon it uh, with a solid foundation that combines an authentic commitment to Christ with a persevering obedience, with an enduring obedience. One man put it this way, and I mentioned this earlier, the teaching of the Sermon on the Mount is not meant to be admired, but obeyed. I remember somebody saying to a Christian brother once, you know, I don't believe what you believe, but I think it's beautiful. And the brother goes, is it true? He goes, well, I don't think so. He goes, well, how can it be beautiful? If I believe the lie, it's the ugliest, worthless, terriblest, terriblest, whatever, thing one can imagine. Don't tell me that you admire it, that you think it's beautiful. If it's not true, it's uglier than ugly. The world loves Jesus, at least their impression of him. Many, many professing Christians like what they hear, you know, Blessed are the poor in spirit, you know, blessed are the peacemakers and things like that. But they really don't care to understand and apply it to their lives. They don't care to make it their, their constitution, if you want to call it that. An outwardly religious lifestyle is simply not enough. And the foolish man's shallow thinking lays a shallow foundation on the sand. He cannot be troubled with thinking things through because he's too busy. And when trial comes, he greatly suffers. You know, it's, it's like us today. He's probably busy with stuff. He's preoccupied with having a house, a life that simply looks nice from the outside, fitting in, being accepted. And sure, his house looks somewhat like the wise man's house, but when you examine the difference in the foundations, you see while one thrives and one fails. Success is defined as recognizing Christ for who he is, our authority, and governing ourselves in light of his teachings. That's why in verses 28 and 29, we, we see this. They hear him teach this. They hear him say this. The one who listens to me is wise. The one who doesn't listen to me is a fool. Everyone who hears these sayings of mine but does not respond is a fool. And in verse 28, we read this. When Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. You see, in that day, people never really taught the Bible. They'd say, well... Rabbi Rafi says this. Rabbi, Rabbi Rashi says this. And what happens is they're quoting other men and he's saying these teachings of mine. I am the authority. And they're astonished because no self-respecting rabbi in their day would claim to be the authority. But he's already been marked out by John the Baptist as the Messiah. He's already done works and, said th- and done things that indicate that he's not a normal, everyday, average guy. And so he does this incredible teaching which turns their understanding of their world and their law upside down. He clarifies it for them. He doesn't just deal with the letter but the spirit, the heart of it. And when he's done, they're shocked. They're they're awed. Talk about shock and awe in the old days, right? They're looking at him. And what we learn from all this is that rightly defining success will make all the difference in our lives. Rightly understanding success will make all the difference in our lives when hardship comes and they and hardships will come the storms of life will come they'll come to you in different shapes and forms and sizes and at different times and there is no cramming for life you can cram for for a board test you can cram for a quiz at school you can cram for some sort of exam but you can't cram for life your house your home your life your family you have to be grounded and founded upon this one-of-a-kind foundation. Everything else is sand. It'll, it'll twist, it'll turn, it'll wash away, and your life as you knew it will perish. So, how can we successfully live and serve Jesus 
How can we do that? What does it take? Well, this is really both the points in your, in your bulletin, and this is also the application of the sermon as well. How can we successfully live, love, and serve Jesus? It really comes down to, to obeying him and recognizing him as the authority. So let's understand a couple of critical things about defining success as Christ defines success. And to do that, we need to understand that success is defined and understood by answering two questions in the affirmative. By you, not answering to me, not answering to anyone else, but to you answering in your own heart before God, the answer, answering these two questions. And the first question is this, do I faithfully seek to embrace Christ's word? Do I seek to embrace Christ's word? Do I seek to drink it in, to digest it, to turn it over in my mind, and to understand it? Where do I get that question from? It's a response to verses 24 and 25. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall. Why? Because it was founded on the rock. Is your thinking founded, driven, controlled, influenced by the word of Christ? The Bible, the word of God. A wise person listens to Jesus, listens to God, and does what he or she learns from God. And the question is, do I, do you, do we? A stable life is found in Christ, no matter the circumstances. I can tell you from experience that if you don't have Christ, you will not be able to withstand the slings and arrows and hardships that this world throws at you. You won't have a context to make sense of your existence, to make sense of the tragedy or the hardship. Jesus' teachings here are are likened to a rock-solid foundation. In Christ, we can weather the storms of life, no matter how difficult they are. And you guys have all experienced suffering and hardship. Some of you are experiencing it right now. And the difference between success or failure is your relationship and your understanding of God's will, of God's ways. The fool says in his heart, in Psalm 53:1, there is no God. He doesn't say it with his lips. He says it in his heart. He may outwardly profess Christ, but inwardly he just lives. He's building his house upon all these sandy foundations. He doesn't listen. He doesn't hear. He doesn't read. He doesn't respond to Christ's word. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. People who have their own ideas about serving God fail to honor God. Sometimes they say, well, I know it says this, but, you know, we have to be practical. We're living in the 21st century. We can't do that. We can't think that way. I'm going to do a sermon series called Non-GMO Churches, either in the fall or in January. It really talks about how we've genetically modified the church and the way we do ministry as a culture and understand why Christianity in some quarters seems to be contracting instead of expanding because it's built its house upon the sand. We have been given a clear prescription of what successful living looks like. Jesus has defined success for us. And the question is, will we follow him or will we follow our hearts? Will we build on a rock-solid foundation or will we build a shallow foundation based on the sand? A person facing the same set of circumstances without Christ will fail, even if he faces the same set of circumstances that a Christ follower faces. It's It's not the storms that cause the failure. It's the foundation. It's the foundation. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was its fall. Why? 
because it was founded upon the sand. It wasn't the weather. It wasn't the trial. It wasn't the crisis. It was the foundation. It was the foundation. Because with the wise man, the one who does these things that I tell him to and obeys them, he builds his house upon the rock and the same weather comes and it doesn't collapse because it's founded on the rock. A person who chooses to disregard Christ's teachings will have a great fall. If not in this life, certainly at the end of, the, at the end of their lives when they face the Savior. The falling of a life lived ignoring Christ is inevitable and cataclysmic. And so we have to ask ourselves the question as people who claim to follow Christ, do I really seek to faithfully embrace Christ's word? Do I seek to receive it, to internalize it, to make it my own, to, to make it my spiritual, physical, practical GPS or not? Secondly, we come to a second question. Knowing the will of God and doing the will of God are two different things. And again, you go back to this parable about the two builders, the two houses, the two men, the two women, whatever you want to call it. Both hear the same teaching. Both are sitting together. They're listening to Jesus that day. They're maybe listening to Jesus today through God, the preaching and teaching of God's word. They hear the same information. They may even give assent to the same information. But at the end of the day, they, one follows Christ and one doesn't. Verse 28, and when Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as their scribes. These crowds detected something radically different about Jesus. He was claiming to be the authority. He had just done this whole exposition of the Old Testament. He had talked about the heart condition of a, of a God follower. He had talked about the worship practices of a God follower. He had talked about the the worry or non-worry practices, the prioritization practices of a God follower. He had explained the law to them. Well, you've heard it said, don't do this, but I say to you, don't even think that way. And at the end he says, and I am the authority. You know what he's telling them? I'm God. It's probably one of the first times he admits to being God, the author of scripture in the gospels. You know, we have the great I am statements in John's gospel, before Abraham was, I am. Here's another one couched in a different terminology and the question that you and I have to ask and answer is do we submit to his claim to be the authority in our lives will we do what he commands Christ did not speak as one citing other authorities he doesn't speak to us through the pages of scripture as one citing other authorities he speaks to us as our God as our Lord as our Savior as the lover of our souls as our master he's God we're the servants We don't tell him how we're going to live. He tells us how we're going to live. And are we okay with that? Are you okay with that? Am I okay with that? Are we willing to go wherever Christ would take us? Remember when we finished John's gospel a week ago? And he tells Peter, you know, do you love me more than these boats, these fish, these people? Feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. When you were younger, you could go where you wanted to go. But when you're old, you'll be taking places you don't want to go. And by this, he was telling Peter the type of death he was going to die. And Peter never flinched. You know I love you. I'm all in. The question we have to ask and answer ourselves is, are we all in? Because if we understand the definition of success, but we don't apply that definition to our lives, if we don't understand and embrace success defined, if we don't hear the word and surrender to it, then we will not live a successful Christian life. We will not be able to stand in the storms of life. We will not be able to be like the people of the Beatitudes. We will not be able to be like the people of his kingdom. You know, a lot of people have all kind of crazy ideas about the Sermon on the Mount, that it was written for the millennial kingdom, 
that it was written for the future, not for the here and now, that it was written only to Jewish people, but it doesn't say that. You know, he says, blessed are you when you are persecuted on account of righteousness' sake. You're not going to be persecuted in the millennial kingdom. The Sermon on the Mount was for those people there and these people here because it's recorded and preserved in the text of Scripture and transmitted to us in writing. And if Jesus is who he claims to be, then the so-called Sermon on the Mount is essential to our surviving and thriving in a fallen world, in this world, and has something to say and to do with our place in the life to come. Jesus' teachings are not to be trifled with. They're not to be admired. They're to be obeyed. The embrace of Christ's word and acceptance and recognition of his authority will not only shape our heart attitudes, but determine how we go about living out our faith, how we go about engaging in successful Christian living, because we understand the definition of success, hearing and doing the word of God. Success defined is hearing and responding to God's word as the only authority for everything we say, think, and do. Everyone who hears these words of mine, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Understanding this truth will enable you to practice successful kingdom living as you hear about it in the weeks to come. Understanding this reality will enable you and position you for successful kingdom living because you understand what this success is. And success defined is knowing, hearing, and doing the word of God. Wrapping your heart and mind around this definition will enable you to hear and act upon what you know is true. And what we find together on this journey through the Sermon on the Mount no matter what happens to you in this life, no matter what happens. Because Jesus is the God of our life in good times and bad. And you know what? He wants us to be successful. Not as the world calls for success. Not as the prosperity gospel calls for success. Not as the bumper stickers describe success or well-intended fluffy cotton candy videos call for success. But as he describes it. Success is truly, truly being a Christ follower. You cannot succeed in this world without Christ. Apart from him, you and I can do nothing. And I just want you to understand that because otherwise when you hear these other, these keys to success, now that you know the definition of success, you'll understand why they're just not suggestions. I remember 40 years ago, I hate to even be able to say that, 40 years. I remember reading, remember Ted Turner? And he said we should rewrite the Ten Commandments as the Ten Initiatives because, you know, nobody thinks that way anymore. You know, we need to think that way, not Ted Turner's way. We need to think Jesus' way. We need to realize that he teaches us as one with authority because he is the authority over our lives. And his word, his teachings, his principles, his successful keys to kingdom living have something to say about every inch of thread that makes up the fabric of our lives. So I want us to think about that. Are we in or out? Will we build our house upon the foundation that he describes in the weeks to come? Or are we perhaps already building it on some other foundation? Think about that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Sermon on the Mount. Father, what a short sermon it is. What a powerful sermon it is. It is a blueprint for us living our lives according to your will and your way under your loving authority and umbrella of protection. Father, help us, Lord, if we've strayed off the path, Lord, to think about the changes that we need to make so that we can know the happiness, the success, the shalom, the peace of mind that is found in being in harmony with your word in submission and in servitude to your will. Father, we are 
independent creatures, Lord, we are prone to stumble. By your power, by your spirit, and through this word, help us to be different. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.